Speaking of rationalizing, I rationalize that we should get this started. All right. All right. All right. All right. Well, here we are, folks. Episode 85 of this here podcast, the Handsome Hockey Podcast. That's 85% of the way to 100. Yeah. Very, very good. Yeah. I will get there in like 2025. Hashtag maths. Has oh, this is an English podcast, apparently. <laughs> I saw a book the other day for a class at the college I work at, and it was like maths, science. I was like, no, 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 no. Not allowed. I, I think that is like technically possible. Like, I think that is correct. Oh, it's I don't care. No, just because it's acceptable and correct doesn't mean it's correct. <laughs> That sounds like something one of the old white two hockey men, 200 hockey men would say. Well, I'm that's like a Don Cherry. I'm quote. getting older and I'm white. So <laughs> shit, I might be on the downward spiral. <laughs> like you're going to have to kick me off this podcast. Yeah, we all might be on the downward spiral. You well, know, that's that's how things are going these days. It feels like at times. Uh, you know, uh, speaking of downward spirals, though, uh, women's hockey in north america yeah it uh it's having a rough go of things um we're hoping it turns out to be the foundation of something new but like oppenheimer shows us uh the destruction part is relatively key to the recreation part i haven't seen the movie yet so don't spoil it for me i haven't either oh okay um, the ship sinks in the end. Oh, oh, you just you just ruined Brokeback Mountain for me. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, I'm Jake. This is Evan. Hi. Ah, yeah. Podcasting. Yep. We're good at it. We're at it again. Yeah. Eighty five episodes in, and we're still fucking up. Don't tell the guards. <laughs> uh, at least we won't have any keys hit the floor in this episode. Yeah. Hope not. Um. Mine are securely in my pocket. Um, I got my carabiner. Oh, see, yeah, we're golden. I took a uh, a rope in here. Probably the most significant event to happen in the three plus weeks since we recorded. Uh, and apologies on my end. I uh, I got the fuck out of Dodge for a while. And, hey, we uh, warned him in the last episode. It's yeah. fine. You take your PTO. I can still apologize. I, I still worked <laughs> like half the time I was gone. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I shouldn't have PTO from this podcast. Yeah, uh, I have PTSD from this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, so the we should warn you ahead of time. We're both kind of tired, so tangents will be long, meandering, and meaningless. But uh, we eventually we will get back to the hockey. Speaking of which, so the biggest news that kind of came out of this like post-apocalyptic PHF pwhpa uh murder and execution uh which is a joke i'm going to make a couple of times in this despite it being the uh title of our last episode i believe well um, in as much yeah. uh, it, you you have to get the joke yeah uh the uh f- 
part of former part owner of the Boston Pride, uh, Miles Arnone. I think I'm saying that right. Could be Arnone. Could be Arnone. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to go with Arnone. Okay. I think that's good. Okay. Uh, I had an interview with Ian Kennedy over at the Hockey News. And um, he did not hold back his feelings about the whole thing. No, he did not. I think one of the... It's important to note that there is there's a lot of salt being thrown around in this in this interview and mm-hmm. uh, which I th- is totally understandable considering the fact that this thing that he had you know propped up financially and put a lot of like mental and emotional sweat into building is you know gone. And while he was compensated for his his equity that he put into it, there's still a very bitter taste in the mouth of definitely Miles. But I think he's speaking for a large chunk of uh, the the fractured PHF. Yeah, he built it and they came in and bought it. Um, I completely commiserate with where he's coming from um i mean obviously you know these need to be understood as the opinions of just one person in all of this and um some of this hasn't necessarily been corroborated but um it's definitely an opinion yeah for sure yeah it it, some people have said you know critical things about him as well and response to this um i won't get into those because i I don't think i know them well enough to comment on it but um yeah he alleges some pretty pretty substantial things Uh, i think probably the most substantive of this is that he levels some some pretty brash accusations at billy jean king uh stating that Billie Jean King was largely pretty aloof in most of the meetings that they had. Uh, I mean, she's old and tired. Like it's like saying that Biden's aloof. uh, Yeah, but he's the fucking president. (laughs) uh, Right. You can't be aloof. Um, uh, And that uh, she seemed more concerned with like throwing out barbs and zingers in the middle of these uh, oh. PHF PWHPA oh, uh, interactions. Oh man. And then like she would like remain off camera and off microphone for large portions of the meeting and then would interrupt by turning on her microphone and her camera drop a like mic drop and then turn off her stuff. And like, you can yeah. just see her like sitting there smugly with like this look of like gotcha. Like so, this is her the person and not oh okay, not the enterprise herself. Yeah, I was thinking like, like this like is the her. enterprise. Like yeah. this is oh, th- we are talking about about Billy Jean King, tennis star Billy Jean King. Yeah, being the Zoom meeting attendee from hell. Yeah, and like we are in no way trying to detract from the mountainous things that Billy Jean King has done for women's sports. No, it, but, uh, but like it's, she is pro- very close to unparalleled in what she has fought for and stood for her entire life. Oh, absolutely. But I'm sure a lot of those things that made her, you know, a tenacious competitor and, uh, allowed her to succeed in all of these things, like also probably make her, uh, 
a bit t- difficult to work with at and times. a shitty capitalist <laughs> maybe um it turns out being hyper competitive works in capitalism as well as it does in the athletic field yeah um, uh, I, i'm way too late to this news yeah um, uh thanks for telling me yeah um and so th- one of the other things was that he miles got the 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 kind of perspective that billy jean king wasn't really out to impact positively impact the women's game uh she constantly harped that the only way women's hockey could succeed is if they had backing of the nhl um which at the time was absolutely not possible due to the any the um financial hard caps or hardships that the nhl suffered under mm-hmm. covid which is i mean that's not a untenable position on its face right and then she also allegedly courted saudi arabian money to uh saudi arabian investors to Which, help I mean, with who isn't these days come on uh, i mean my my parents are corporate you know courting them like you know our our dog sitters courting saudi arabian money like our our they former only, president they only are, they only care about frenchies mm-hmm. it turns out uh the worst dogs um <laughs> No, nah, I think pugs are the worst dogs. Frenchies are number two. Um, They're like different versions of the same concept in my eyes. Okay, we can meld them into one like shitty terror beast if you want. Uh, I saw, sidetrack, I saw a husky yellow lab mix the other day, and it was one of the most beautiful dogs I've ever seen in my entire life. Interesting. And it came up to me and wanted pets, and I was like, I am about this. All right. Um, this was while I was at Drag Queen Bingo, and I was leaning out the the open garage door of Ten Barrel, just, like, giving it pets. So, like, the opposite of a shitty terror beast. Yes. Yeah, like, the, like, polar, husky polar opposite of it. Um, anyways, uh, Saudi Arabians, you know, notorious proponents of women's equality and women's rights. Oh, yeah. All of uh, You know, they're just like trying to take things off of women's plates so they don't stress out so much. Like, yeah, you like, know, like, showing their face in public. Or driving. And, you know, like being allowed to go to the grocery store without a male escort. You know, shit like that. You know. I mean, yeah. It's just really thoughtful. Yeah. Just romantic considerate. Moves. Yeah. It's very chivalrous if you think about it. Mm-hmm. You know. Very um, like, you know, you know, like they tip their hat. Yeah, they hold doors open. Same lady. They dismantle Jamal Khashoggi. Um, you know, I mean, it's just really making complicated charcuterie. It's just a sign of love. Yeah. It's cooking. It's, it's definitely like in the best interest of it's, it's like every day is Valentine's you, Day. Yeah. I mean, you're not you're not really considering your significant other's feelings unless you are catching them human meat (laughs) and like not allowing them to go outside because the sun is so harsh there Mm -hmm. that we're just looking out for their for their complexion oh you know what we should do we should play soccer there uh yeah that I, that sounds I, like a perfect place to have a, a it, world if cup. it if it wasn't good enough for leo messi it's not good enough for me yeah uh a funny story reason why leo messi number one reason why leo messi didn't go play in saudi arabia his wife was like i don't want to fucking live there saudi arabia is such a pariah they forced 
the greatest soccer star of our generation to play in the MLS. Yeah. And score a fucking goal, a game winning goal in his first like 20 minutes of playing. Yeah. And the only shitty thing about that goal was it may be sort of distracted from Sophia Smith's uh, two goal dominance um, oh, she, against, uh, against Vietnam. Vietnam for the USA women's world cup team. I mean, finally we beat Vietnam in something had to be said yeah had to be said uh i felt bad for them they were like woman on woman they were at least like six to eight inches shorter and like a good 40 pounds yeah and like like the ball almost never crossed midfield mm -hmm. into the u.s like I, people were like, oh, it was only 3 nothing." I'm like, did you watch that game? Yeah, it wasn't a blowout. 3 nothing is a blowout. First off, yeah, it's a blowout in soccer. And second, Vietnam didn't have the ball. <laughs> At all. And it like, was... if, if they'd have cared more about score differential, they probably would have racked it up even more. And like, Alex Morgan narrowly missed on... Several attempts, yeah. Several attempts and and uh, uh, and the penalty and like yeah. that was a very poorly taken penalty. I actually just want to give credit to that goaltender. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think she deserves that's all of the credit. That she, should be the highlight of her career, right there. I stopped an Alex Morgan penalty, and she's one of the best strikers in the history of the women's game and the rest of the game. She was all over the place and. I was not the only person to take note of that. Yeah. A whole lot of people are like, holy shit, this, this Vietnamese goaltender is just, you know, keeping this from becoming a true laugh or like what a stellar singular effort. Yeah. And it shouldn't be of note that the Vietnamese women's program is in the World Cup and they've only had a women's soccer team since 1997. Like, oh, have they? Okay. Like in theory, the women who are on this team are like just barely old enough to have been born after the creation of this team. Yeah. So they're like a, their team is about the same age as the Brandy Chastain sports bra. Yeah. That was 2000. 99. I thought that was 96. Fuck. No, it couldn't have been 96 because the men's world cup was in 96. So it was 97, right? 1999. Okay. I'm glad I Googled that on my work computer. Uh, I'm sure I'll hear about that from my superiors at some point. You were looking at porn. No, I was looking at American dominance. Yeah. This is America number one. USA number one. Vietnam number 32. Take that, HR. Uh, Another... <laughs> we are so fucking removed from talking about hockey. I love this. Uh, I think it's perfect. Uh, another uh, thing that uh, Miles Arnone uh, said was that Stan Kasten, who is uh, ostensibly running this new league uh, on behalf of the Mark Walter group, said that they wanted to get rid of the Boston Pride name because he didn't want people to take pride as being aligned with the LGBTQ community. Oof. Do you know who your fan base is? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's pretty bad. <laughs> and it's just like alienating a whole lot of fans just right off the get-go and 
I don't know, you know, Billie Jean King's like political opinions and whatnot, but probably um, a libertarian, uh, you know, perhaps I, I, I don't, don't want to assume, yeah. um, I'm sure the Mark Walter group wants something that's sellable, uh, but I don't understand why nuking all of these brands intellectual property makes any sort of business sense because the Boston pride have been around since like before there was much of a league for them to play in. Um, and you know, the backing was independently gotten for this like Montreal team not so long ago. So one would think that they could more or less float on their own. Um, yeah, it doesn't make any sort of sense to me to nuke all of the brands except sort of out of some sort of spite or just saying like we're starting a fresh like fuck all y'all. Oh, it's pettiness for sure. <sighs> yeah, it 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 sucks a lot. Um PWHPA super petty. And reportedly one of the uh jerseys that they really didn't like was the uh Riveters uh Pride jersey. And so, uh, on air, <laughs> we have a gift for both of us. Oh, I like gifts actually to say it's mine, but you can borrow it. Oh, okay. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, game worn. A- Kilponen jersey from the ribs, courtesy the market of DF Pendries Le Marche. Ah, oh, that beautiful human. Yeah, and uh, what a beautiful jersey. Oh, it's 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 like it's sexy. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. <laughs> I think it'll fit for sure. That's heavy. That's an ice hockey jersey. Oh, absolutely. This is something I, this is made in the USA. Good for that. Wow. Yeah. See all all of the great things that the PHF did undone shitty by a bunch of Canadians. No, I, I, a bunch of, uh, capitalists vultures. Yeah. I, I will say vulture. I mean, venture capitalists. Um, that joke's been made so many times. I'm going to cut it. Um, you know, if like, if something comes of this, I think our anger will subside. You know, if they turn around and re-add some of these teams, you know, allow Montreal to, like, be its own thing and come into the league, maybe we'll be aboard at some point, but it's hard not to get past just the, like, bitterness to see something that you were excited for just get nuked into oblivion all of a sudden. Uh, two things real quick. Yes, absolutely. You know, we admittedly came into the women's game and went hard on the NWHL and then the PHF upon starting this podcast Mm -hmm. and want to wanting to be inclusive to all sides of the game. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we've been doing this for what, like three years now and two and a half. And, you know, to see something that, we like just championed in our own lives very hard, like, you know, telling people to watch it and like going out and watching games with people and Mm -hmm. like, and trying to like 
build support for a league, even though the closest team is like four hours away by plane, uh, <laughs> like just trying to like be a part of that and seeing it destroyed due to what we'll get into later is like basically like shitty pettiness um, is really sad. Uh, the second thing is uh, I have kind of removed myself from most facets of social media, thus putting a lot of pressure on Evan to do <laughs> social media for the podcast. But I will say this, the thing I miss the most about being on Twitter is interacting with DF. Uh, they are incredible. Uh, just a, a brilliant human being. And uh, I, if, if you're listening, I miss you. And, you know, part of that... It, it, also interacting with the better part of hockey Twitter and like the women's hockey Twitter, which I'm sure will not be the same. I mean, people are losing jobs. People are having to pivot to almost to different careers at times, I think. Um, uh, so yeah, we're not really looking forward to adjusting to whatever new paradigm we're faced with. And, uh, it seems like the more we're hearing the bleaker and bleaker it's getting, you know, it <laughs> harkens back to like Dave Chappelle on Saturday night live after Trump got elected. And he's like, well, maybe this isn't going to be the absolute shit. Give him a chance. And then it's like, Oh, we're hiring Betsy DeVos. Oh, no. oh we're hiring Jeff Sessions. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> like that's the, the, the silence and the trickle and the, the timing and the, uh, starkness and bleakness kind of feels like that. Uh, I hope my worries are misplaced. We all do. And, you know, in, in the last episode, we talked about this being like, you know, stepping backwards to go forward. Uh, one of the interesting things that, Miles Arnone said in his uh, brought up in his interview with Ian Kennedy was that the CBA that the PWHPA signed is actually extremely limiting hmm. in their growth potential. Fancy and that they signed an eight year contract on this CBA or an eight year uh, CBA. Yeah. yeah. Eight years of term on the CBA. You were right the first time. Sure. Yeah. You know, we'll leave them all in so people can see how much I don't trust myself. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, They capped earnings at 85K, I believe, per player, which is about half of what some of the high earners in the PHF were making. Yeah, which, I mean, well, while it sounded good, those were just promises after a while. And, you know, there's an argument to be made that this lower rate might be more realistic, but it's nevertheless hard to see, hard to take. Um, and, and you know, it's not coming with a lot of assurances. Yeah. And the, I, uh, and our known points out that the, the PWHBA players, the high level, uh, like the Sarah nurses, uh, the, uh, uh kennel coin schofields of the world they were going to be fine regardless sure but this cba actually really hurts the low-end earners in this league and that's the point that really sticks out to me is that it further cements the fact that 
this move was never about women's hockey. It was about a fuck you to the PHF. Uh, how dare you exist and build what we could not build based off of just our name recognition and popularity in the sport. So if that's the case, I mean, why would the PHF ownership agree to it? Like, would they not just play defense? Like just to cash out or like it, it were they on a different financial footing than what they were saying? Um, like I, I reading into it, I feel like that's gotta be the case. Like there had to be some, you know, overkicking of coverages by the PHF in their salaries. And like, there were warning lights internally that we weren't seeing on the outside. Um, so, uh, miles are known states that there's an NDA in place. Of course there is. Right. That's exactly why. And so some of the, uh, uh, some of the negotiations, however, took place before the NDA was signed. And so okay. anything that was happened before the NDA was, uh, was open for public comment. Do they adjudicate that like offsides? Like, <laughs> is it like, no, it's more uh, like a divorce you, setting. Like what did you have before the divorce and what did you have after? Yeah. Like, is it like or before the marriage and after? And like, if somebody, you know, says something like, do they go to an adjudicator and like you did or did not violate the NDA? Like, Oh, you, you scored a goal. Uh, let's look and see if you were maybe offsides five minutes ago. <clears throat> I digress. Yeah, I think it from from what Arnone says, it sounds like the uh, financial hardship of the PHF. Uh, it was kind of a fictitious thing. I mean, that, I would that say that wasn't the, the case. Um, the NDA says something else to me, <laughs> but okay. Uh, I think it. I think personally, I think the NDA says that the powers that be in the Mark Walters group and Billy Jean Gene King enterprises don't want people talking about how shitty of a process this was. Oh yeah. And like we heard, you know, nothing about or everything about the Ottawa buying process being like awful and acrimonious. And now we get like this, uh, league buying another league being just exponentially more awful and more acrimonious. And it's just, uh, the, it really is like days of our lives meets hunger games meets like a bad hockey movie. Is there such a thing as bad hockey movie? Okay. That's maybe a misnomer. Yeah. Most valuable primate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, uh, the other like two quick points, uh, to bring out is that, uh, our known states. And this is one of the things that you really need to take with a grain of salt is that the, he states that the PHF never had any sort of acrimonious, uh, behavior towards the PWHPA and that all of the like disharmony came from the PWHPA side. There's no way that's true. Yeah. I, um, I also find that hard to believe. And uh, say that generally as someone that wants to side with the PHF, like, there's no way there's not some pushback. Yeah. However, 
I am willing to believe that it was largely one-sided from the PWHP, especially after like Sarah Nurse and Kendall Coin Schofield's comments came out afterwards where mm-hmm. they were like, we built exactly what we wanted. And it was like, no, you didn't. Yeah. And then you then you bought uh, the next thing. No, you you bought the thing that existed and then pretended like you built it. Like you didn't do shit. You didn't build a league. You just played hockey games. Like Yeah, I yeah. mean that's that's you know, that's a true American story. Yeah, or a Sarah Nurse Canadian story. Um <laughs> and the kind of like final kind of uh kind of tongue lashing that Arnone gives out is that the PHWA got what they wanted, uh, not a creation of a league on their terms, but what they really actually wanted was the death of the PHF. And on some levels, that seems kind of hard to swallow. But honestly, I actually buy it. Yeah, I um, think that that's exactly what we've seen in terms of messaging, in terms of actions. And, and yeah, this was more like buying up your competitor and shutting them down than buying up your useful competitors assets like it, it it is more of a hostile takeover even though the mechanisms are not necessarily what that is yeah so i think what we are looking at ultimately is that the pwhpa got some rich benefactors and bought what they couldn't create themselves and ultimately it's a, i think a large step back in for the women's game since the murder and execution of the phf uh we've seen a couple of things that just proved to be false it's like there was this promise of continuity between phf staff members like team staff members not players but staff members and that was a total lie they all got fired or let go was that promised it was like a first thing that came out was that oh we're gonna keep players or we're gonna keep staff members in place we might move them but blah 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 no gone um one of the biggest gripes of the pwh pay was like oh you play in shitty arenas and don't have facilities and like montreal had signed a contract to play in a ten thousand seat beautiful arena (laughs) in quebec like eclipsing the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, they it would have been the thirty first most populous rink in the NHL, <laughs> um, and first in the PHF. Um, and you know, finally, like we're still. If you are a European player who had signed a contract to stay in the PHF or play in the PHF, and your visa is contingent on employment. You're sitting there going, well, what the fuck do I do? Because now the PWHPA is dragging their ass trying to set up this new league. We were like, oh, they're like, oh, we're going to have details to you in like a week. Well, it's been a month and uh, nah. So hopefully we hear something in the coming weeks and months. And like, hopefully we understand like who the players are going to be. And hopefully these people are able to figure their life out. I have a sitcom idea. So European women's hockey player comes to America, works construction. European women's hockey player comes to America to live in a small apartment with their cousin in New York. European women's hockey player comes to America, works at McDonald's. European women's hockey player comes to America, uh, befriends six white people in New York City 
and then only interacts with other white people for nine seasons. <laughs> yes, I'm describing Perfect Strangers and Friends. It's uh, it's going to be a hit. Perfect Strangers is one of the most underrated sitcoms of all time. Uh, it's maybe insensitive to be to make light of people's visa issues, but any sort of coming to America story is always comedy gold. Uh, including the Alex Galchenyuk story. It's really serious, but ultimately, like kind of, like the uh, Robin Lehner saga. It's also really funny. Yeah, it's sad, but also a little ridiculous, especially considering who he is, the story that he's had. You know, uh, I didn't realize this until this all happened, but he has a prior stint in the the player assistance program. And oh, uh, I didn't know that either. Actually, in his myriad of teams that he's played for, but like nothing so dramatic as what transpired and in fact got his contract voided after 12 days uh for cause by the arizona coyotes and the player associations reportedly like still investigating there may be some uh, uh, other shoes to drop in that saga because just voiding a contract is fairly unprecedented and uh even mitch miller got his didn't get his contract immediately voided right that happened recently as well yeah and and like other players have done perhaps worse more controversial things and not had their contracts voided um there's some definite discongruity there but maybe those players didn't have the like I said, the theatrics of what transpired between Alex Galchenyuk and a car and some police officers in Arizona. The report from the officers is like plays like if somebody wrote a really bad script about like a famous person trying to like prove how famous they were. Oh, yeah. And like when this first came out, my reaction, which I'm still sort of wondering if this happened in some sort of facsimile, but was like, he pulled a, do you know who I, who I am? And the police officers were like, no. <laughs> and then that's when he explodes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and we're cribbing this from uh, an of course katie strang article in the athletic um because the athletic katie strang is everywhere and yet nowhere she's where all of the bad things are happening so largely in arizona um just bought a house yeah strang writes uh, in the report an officer detailed how galchenyuk was curt and profane when the police began asking him questions after seeing him laying on the ground approximately 20 feet from a car and a sign that was damaged laying on the ground 20 feet from a car like i am concerned for his well-being yes yeah uh according to the report gal chungyuk was helped back into the car by a second individual later identified as his father his father who was notorious for like 
texting him criticisms and like being part of the reason that he was always sort of a head case and having that reputation throughout the league. Um, go on. Was who was also apparently more drunk than him if he wasn't driving. Um, uh, he uh, Galchenyuk once in the car began making erratic movements. Uh, Galchenyuk told an officer, "I will chop all of you fucks." And began to reach under a seat, prompting a warning from the officer. I mean, in America, that just gets you dead. Uh, well, if he had been black, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's be honest. If he was a person of color, he'd be dead right now. Uh, the officer described a struggle while Galchenyuk was placed under arrest, leading the two officers on the scene to assist in placing him in handcuffs while on the ground. With Galchenyuk in the back of the patrol car en route to the police station, he allegedly made a number of threatening comments to the officers. According to the report, these include, I'm going to chop you and your daughter. Let me go or I will make one phone call. You'll never see your family. How scary is that? One phone call and you're all dead. Your whole family, your whole bloodline is dead. Damn, son. damn like it's such a shitty script but like because it's real you're just kind of laughing uh i mean this reads like some shit out of game of thrones and i know you're not a fan but like i've just never watched (laughs) and credit where credit is due your whole bloodline is dead is kind of a that that's a dope line (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah like Uh, that's that's a way to uh you know really really uh attempt to poorly intimidate somebody uh if they are a police officer with you in the backseat of your car and like i didn't know that this dude was all like fucking lord of war like he can barely put a puck in the net i didn't realize that he had connections to the russian mob he didn't either until he got drunk (laughs) and started talking to the cops well i also didn't realize that uh his sister is like it looks like she's sort of his pr agent yeah is like i think a fitness model or something like that she does uh, a lot she's, yeah uh, she's, she's a woman of many talents uh or no talents like um, depending but, on your perspective yeah her linkedin shows like last 10 years at i think galchenyuk enterprises yeah yeah curiously right around her, the time her brother got drafted into the nhl i fancy how that happens although if she is we'll get to this later if she's her his pr person she's doing a great job yeah she yeah. is that's that's uh some silver lining in it for him yeah. but uh we'll we'll continue with um roasting him for later also telling one officer that he'd make one call to russia and have the officer's wife and daughter's kidneys cut out presumably that would be to sell on the black market to pay for all of the uh loss of income that he's experiencing from this uh yeah white kidneys go a long way on they really Uh, do especially yeah he did he did uh it turns out uh he's not calling russia he's calling jigsaw (laughs) uh <laughs> like, he's like he just starts in the back of the car he's just like starts describing like saw movies <laughs> he's like and that was the end scene for the when your wife he's like sir you're just describing the plot line to saw three so i'm gonna come up with a really intricate head trap that just like tears your head apart at a timer how about that yeah. mr officer yeah and you're gonna be there with your partner and your partner is gonna open the box and your wife's head's gonna be it 
and you're going to yell, what's in the box? <laughs> over and over and over again. Yeah, and then the cop will be like, "Does that mean in the end I shoot you in the head?" And he'd be like, "No, no, no, no. Except for that part. That nope. That's no. That no. That's definitely not the part where I get shot in the head." So, uh, <laughs> side note to all of this, I did not realize that Alex Galchenyuk had like Russian connections. Um, I just thought he was another like American-born Minnesotan. Uh, turns out. Something different is the truth. Yeah, from a, with a name like Galchenyuk, I could have sworn he was French. I mean, I originally just thought, like, I don't know. Puerto Rican, maybe. <laughs> standard, <laughs> like, standard American melting pot sort of fare. But yeah. it turns out his parents are immigrants and, and he's, you know, first generation American. Yeah. Uh, so, like may have some like i doubt he's, got, he's probably like he knows a guy who he thinks maybe knows a guy yeah but really he's just at home playing sega genesis like <laughs> really he's just watched the godfather my cousin is very good at sonic he gets all the rings every level really he's just really into the movie a history of violence <laughs> <laughs> or eastern promises yeah, or both, like, it just Vigo Mortensen mob movies. Is, that's, it the same, that's, is it the same movie, basically? Like, it essentially is the same different movie. Different director, and same actor. I like both of them. Yeah, they're both good. <laughs> uh, we, we said this earlier that... Uh, because, because the PR stuff that came out with his uh, very, very workshopped logo front and center oh, it's... on all of them uh was trite and uh really actually induced empathy like he know he done fucked up obviously. yeah yeah he he definitely uh like put in whoever is running his pr which we're fairly certain is his sister put out <laughs> one of the better apology statements we've ever seen like it actually seems genuine and it's not like these racist comments are not who i am everybody who knows knows that i'm not a racist it's like it shows real contrition is that a preview jake and embarrassment (laughs) really for uh for the situation like i I, like as i was reading it i was like this dude actually kind of gets it and like is he still probably like somewhat of a douchebag for like, I mean, he did threaten to call Russia to kill a cop. Like we all want to pretend that we have like Russians on speed dial to like, just do like the dirty work for us. Um, it turns out we don't. Um, uh, and hey, wait, Alex I, of might. I have Yuri who comes and does the dishwasher. Yeah. Y- Yuri sounds like a great guy. He yells at me for not cleaning not pre-cleaning the stuff i put in the dishwasher enough the point here is that galchenyuk does seem genuinely embarrassed and upset and like really kind of uh defeated by he this. also he also doesn't have any other play like the axe is dropped and he probably doesn't have a path back yeah like, oh absolutely yes he's he's going to get care uh, he obviously needs it. No telling what all he was on. My suspect is mostly alcohol, but yeah, uh, it's, we, he's with, also with an NHL the, player. Yeah, right. You, it could be any sort of like JFK esque like 
doctor feel good kind of combo of things. And, and that's the scary part. Uh, it's not super fair to suppose exactly what he was on, but one gets a sense. It probably wasn't just alcohol. The moral of the story though is, um, call a fucking Uber. Really? Yeah. Like, if your family is a professional operation built around your sports career, um, call a fucking Uber. Don't cheap out. No, like maybe even, you know, Uber black's not that bad. Like, no, <laughs> was their driver like out that day? I don't know. Yeah. It, it's just very, uh, whenever an athlete does shit like this, just like why are you not thinking more clearly yeah you like you have so much on the line uh like Mm -hmm. uh, while we're sitting here special shout out to the city of san diego for subsidizing your lifts and ubers uh (laughs) we legitimately i didn't drive drunk once well not that i was going to (laughs) i know Uh, i haven't done that in a long time um but uh the we took a lift sometimes several times in one day, but like even with our lift to and from the airport in Portland and all of the lifts we took in San Diego, we still spent less money than we would have had. We just parked our car at the airport in Portland. <laughs> so like, uh, like special kudos to the city of San Diego for making it more affordable to not drive drunk which is what we should all be fucking doing. Yeah. Uh, to spare the athletes from themselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or the the woman just walking her chihuahua down the side of the street at 3 a.m. who gets sideswiped by an NFL running back. Like I, I like that one time that uh, it's like that one time that Abby Wambach got a DUI in Portland. Yeah. And we're like, why? Why? You could have run back also faster. Also, like you could have asked anybody in this city for a ride home. And they're like, you're Abby Womack. Fuck yeah, I'll give you a ride home. Yeah. Where where do you live? Canada? Or like the, the problem is is that she flagged down a Geo Metro and her thighs don't fit in And they were like, sorry, you're too tall for this car. Every time I get in the backseat of a Nissan and like lift and like every lift in Portland is a Nissan. I'm like, I'm too tall for this car. (laughs) Yeah. And I am not that tall. There seem to be a lot of sedans that like really cramp on the headroom. Yeah. For no particular good reason. Like I'm either like slouching down like my spine has become molasses or I'm just like leaning over into the like back of the front seat. Is that what they're trying to do to like make you buy SUVs and like crossovers now? Is like even we're making we're making headroom in the back seat DLC on a sedan. Even uh we had a rental car down in California and it was like a RAV4. And I was too tall for that in the front seat. I Tesla like, or this BMW is fucking stupid. Tesla or BMW have a model where like you can pay for more headroom. Like it just do like, they really? It, like no, I'm. I, oh. that up. <laughs> I was like, that's so cheeky. <laughs> oh, back to Galchenyuk. He ran. Uh, somebody ran a BMW into the curb, and like, why is it always a BMW? 
it seems like BMWs and curbs uh, go together like white on rice. Brown rice is here to say, hey, come on, man. <laughs> Don't accuse me of driving like that. <laughs> I'm a better driver than white rice. <laughs> and you know what? With the added fiber and protein, I do not doubt that brown rice. Kudos to you. And with the added cooking time, you'd think you could spend enough time at the bar to sober the fuck up. <laughs> That ends our Alex Galchenyuk segment. Uh, we're going to stay with really high character guys and pivot to Tony D'Angelo, uh, who was a free agent again after getting bought out by Philly in their tire fire of a fire sale. Um, everyone knew he was going to Carolina, but because of some CBA language that is meant to allow team or not allow teams from uh, laundering salary unfairly uh, couldn't sign back with Carolina until recently. And well, surprise, surprise he did. Yeah. There, there was like a deadline for it. And also they wouldn't let the trade go through because mm-hmm. of the optics basically. Well, it was like a calendar year. And so handshake agreement, good old boys club works again. If anybody in the NHL is in a good old boys club, it's Tony D'Angelo. Yeah. He's going to go straight to like, he's going to become like head of department of player safety at some point, isn't he? God damn it. Yeah. uh, But the discipline for all goalies is they have to come before him and he gets to punch him. (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, like the player reps going to be like Sean Avery or some shit. There's a Jamie Ben joke in there somewhere, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to spend too much time on Tony D'Angelo because he's a pud, but um, you know, it's just kind of funny that he's been pinging around so much and like mm-hmm. Danny Breer became GM of, <laughs> of the team and was like, we got to get this fucker out of here. <laughs> yeah. He made like his son in a wheelchair and tossed it down the stairs. <laughs> uh do you want i don't know what the david reinbacher saga continues is um well that's a doozy let me tell you about the david reinbacher saga um just let's leave that in as the transition david reinbacher got like harangued after getting drafted by montreal like if you thought that carrie price mispronouncing your name or forgetting or forgetting your name um was the start to your or the end of your problems well boy do we have a surprise for you and i'm sure david reinbacher was surprised when the fans of the team that drafted him uh were in his mailbox mailboxes i don't know maybe they got to his tiktok or something but with like harassment and death threats like he he recounted like thousands of messages and um yeah, it, it, this seems to have gone under the radar, maybe because we're Americans and maybe because the rest of Canada, Canada, the rest of Canada, like expects this out of Montreal fans or some shit. But um, there were like announcements that people made, like stop fucking harassing David Reinbacher with like World War Two shit. Like he's Austrian. And, uh, 
people were like you lost the war kinds of things like and and um in you can like they're not wrong but they're also wrong yeah they're they're like <laughs> like you could think of like austria sort of lost the war twice in a way uh but yeah if it, it was i don't know that's just incredibly awful and insensitive and why like he was he vent like he told people about the strange world war ii problem that question that he was asked by a scout in the montreal program the team that later drafted him so he was the person who told people about like yeah this was this really strange interaction and apparently that just like tripped granddad into being like get the kraut get him um like and let's we're in no way going to disrespect World War II veterans. Uh, well, on our side, anyways. Well, I, um, and I don't even think, but like many of them aren't even alive, let alone oh, on Twitter. Yeah. There's or like emailing. There, there's like like what thirty of them left. Like, like yeah, this like, is and their, that's not me trying to be an asshole. That's me just thinking like Jesus Christ, they got to be really old at this point. Right. This is their children. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who, they're who, they're yeah. shitty kids who apparently don't realize that yeah, Hitler was Austrian, but it wasn't Austria that started the war. Correct. Like, they started the first one. Yeah. Maybe it's it's World War 1 uh truthists yeah. that are going after David Reinbacher being like <laughs> like uh oh, how dare Franz Ferdinand like they're like Gavrilo Princip is a martyr. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's this makes no fucking sense, and to a point where Carrie Price also like came out and and apologized for just his verbal gaffe, but yeah. also was like, "Yo, people, <laughs> stop it." Um, I think you can make a point that Gavrilo Princip is probably the most influential person <laughs> in the 20th century. Um, but that we, we don't have that kind of podcast. Just like the, the argument can be made that David Reinbacher is now the Montreal Canadiens most uh, key prospect in their future success. Yeah. Uh, I'll submit that question to Dan Carlin. Is Gavrilo Princip the most important or the most influential person in the 20th century? And also is David Reinbacher now the number one prospect in the Montreal Canadiens uh, pool? How about we also send that question to like the athletic mailbag? Or that. And that's probably maybe more accurate. But, but I, the whole question. Like, yeah. World oh, War One. We definitely need to put the Gavrilo Prince up part in there. Um, speaking of people who are, uh, you know, much maligned after being picked early in the NHL draft. Uh, uh, Philip Zadina, who has no connection that we know of to Gavrilo Prince up or David Reinbacher, was shopped uh by Steve Iserman, um, very loosely. Like it didn't seem like there was much of a market. There, oh, there was no market. Um, there had been rumors for a long time that he was going to be part of the Alex DeBrincat trade. There are also rumors that he would not report to Grand Rapids. Um, which jokes on him. Grand Rapids is lovely. Uh, I mean, if you love being surrounded by like only vaguely racist people or like only loosely closeted racist people and the devosses uh yes grand rapids is yeah but there lovely. are like hippies nearby um 
Like no. Kalamazoo and shit. No, then just move to fucking Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo is actually relatively solid. Yeah, they don't have a hockey team. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Right. They have the Kalamazoo K-Wings and Western Michigan University, which is actually okay. very good. Yeah. Neither of them are AHL teams uh, associated with the Red Wings. Whatever. Anyways. Any- all I know is I used to go to K-Wings games and I met Marty Turco and he was very kind. And I still have his autograph. So, so Phillips was Phillips Zadina was ultimately released by the Red Wings. Uh, Iserman said as much. Like, I tried to trade him and it didn't come to fruition. So we're going to release him. He or he gets waived, clears waivers, and so they just go, All right, we're just gonna nullify your contract. Yep. Uh, and this was all Philip Zadina's wanting. Uh, he wanted to start somewhere fresh, he mm-hmm. wanted to get a, a, a hopefully a fair shake in another city. That city became San Jose. Uh, I, I think it's important to note here that one, I think Eisenman tried to do right. By Philip Zadina. Yeah, it's pretty clear that he did. He's he signed him to a three-year deal um after his uh his rookie contract expired. He did not draft Philip Zadina. That was the genius brain trust of Ken Holland. Right. Uh which and, is important uh, to make a distinction when we move on to our next point. Yeah. Um which was the like that was the move that made everyone go ah after the draft well like and that that a lot of people were not super happy with well uh and, and then like him this. and tyler wright who is the his like head of scouting with the red wings who has like just like is a fucking bonehead uh <laughs> and ultimately i think was one of the more significant pieces in the downfall of ken holland in detroit and okay. of the detroit red wings because uh like he's your building seven dennis chalowski uh uh, Philip Zadina, like Joe Valeno is like a fine NHL player, but not for a 20th pick or like a first round pick. Like, like uh, Michael Rasmussen is going to be like, they drafted him to be like a second line center. He's like, maybe going to be a third line winger. Like, and he was drafted ninth overall. Like these are bad draft picks. Mm-hmm. And like, the draft like lottery if you, if has draft done those, them no no favors. But those but those are those are bad draft picks. Like sure. you look at the and you can look at this for like pretty much any pick. Like oh look at the guys who were drafted after them. Like I get it. Um, like look at the guys who were drafted after Boston had three picks in a row in 2015, <laughs> right? But but like, also you know yeah look at you know it's just when you put that you stack that history on top of each other. You're like okay these guys sucked at their job. And then now they're Edmonton's problem. So that's cool. And the Red Wings have drafted incredibly well since then. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, like we've got a third rounder who is probably going to be a second line winger and uh, Carter Mazur. Uh, like it, it, it's, it, it's a, it's a failure um, on a bunch of levels. And as a Red Wings fan, I'll say this. I think Jeff Blashill fucked Philip Sedina. He was absolutely. like, he's oh, like, we absolutely. have this brilliant scoring forward who has one of the better releases and shots that we've seen coming through. Like Scott Wheeler and Corey Pronwin were both like Philip Zadina's the fucking shit. He's just scores goals. He should go second or third overall. He fell to the Red Wings. The Red Wings got him. What a steal. And then Jeff Blaschel was like, learn to play defense. And it's like, <laughs> that's not like, can he be better at defense? Sure. But that's not his game. You drafted him to score fucking goals, not sit on the third line and and eat 
eat pucks in your own zen for own zone for the entire game. Like Jeff Blaschel is going to end up being probably a relatively successful coach in the NHL when he's done being an assistant in Tampa Bay. Uh, the point stands though. He honestly, I think really ruined Philip Sedina's career. And I actually am really excited for him to go to San Jose. Oh, me too. Where he could low key have like a mild breakout there. I don't think he's ever going to be a 40 goal guy like was hypothesized in his draft year, but he could definitely be a 25 goal guy if you give him the right conditions. And Mike Greer was very smart to take a one year swing at him at a 1.1 mil cap hit. Like, all right. Why the fuck not? Why not? So like put him on a line where he's not expected to be like, give him a defensive center who knows how to pass and like just set up Philip Zadina. Like, Philip Zadina was never given adequate power play time, despite the fact that he came in and his reputation was as a sniper. Like Mm -hmm. you put snipers on your fucking power play and they're like, no, learn to play defense. You fucker. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, miscoached is is the story. Jeff Blaschel is a lot of things and a brilliant coach. Isn't one of them. Uh, Like (laughs) I I feel genuinely bad for the rap that Philip Zadina got in Detroit. And I hope that he is, uh, is, is successful in the rest of his career and, you know, earns himself a nice, uh, solid payday later on. Uh, it won't be with the Red Wings. Uh, and that sucks. It sucks when your, uh, number six overall pick gets, tra- uh, gets waived for nothing. Um, but he went to nicer weather, you know, not going to be winters in, in Detroit as much. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. And, uh, like our final quick note here in this says uh, some guy named Patrice bear Berger, 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 that's, that's clearly it. That's how you pronounce names. Wait, was that, was that a car? It's actually, we're watching, uh, highlights of a 10 warthog videos. The bird. I fucking love any, I like, I'm not, uh, I like, I like military history. I hate the military industrial complex, but the A-10 Warhawk is so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. And you know, not a bad uh, comp for Patrice Bergeron, who was a, a pretty exciting player. Um, relatively durable at his position and just dominant defensively for, uh, built to kill tanks and defend the army is, yeah. <laughs> is Patrice Bergeron. Uh, perhaps, perhaps the best defensive forward in the history of the game like rename the fucking selkie yeah it, it i think there's a very solid case to make it the patrice not the bergeron the patrice <laughs> the patrice um like the rapper yeah <laughs> uh i i it, we we i started this off by poking fun but there's honestly like no amount of accolades on our semi-weekly semi-regular podcast is gonna like encompass how good of a player patrice bergeron is if you know a boston bruins fan find them and hug them because they're they're having a tough time today uh because this means that uh the the doomsday machine has been activated in the bruins organization and um things are going to be a bit different moving forward. Gone are 70 point 
or what was this? Like 72 wins. I don't know. That was, that's the Chicago bulls gone. Are <laughs> everything relates back to the Chicago <laughs> everything. bulls. Like that's gone. Yeah. Are, uh, uh, you know, quantum physics, uh, <laughs> toothpaste, go Chicago bulls. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, gone are president's cup trophy and probably Stanley cup trophy aspirations, um, along with Patrice Bergeron and, and one assumes David Krejci says sayonara to, um, Krejci's probably done. I honestly, I thought Bergeron was more likely to return than Krejci, despite the like end of series crying slash hug with, uh, and that's not me mocking this at all. No, it was very heartfelt. It was, you could just tell Mm -hmm. that that's the end of an era, but there were rumors that Bergeron was working out and then Boston signed Milan Lucic and you're like, Oh, are they bringing the friends back? Right. And and here comes Tyler Sagan. Just kidding. (laughs) Really? It's more like bringing the old teddy bear back to smell the person that left. Like, (laughs) Oh, Milan Lucic, you sort of smell like Patrice Bergeron. And maul some campers. <laughs> even though you haven't, even though you've been played together for a decade. Yeah. <laughs> I think, honestly, I, I think there's definitely some regression coming for Buff or Buffalo. There's definitely some regression coming for Boston. No, that is Buffalo's music you're hearing though, yeah. in the back. It's Buffalo from the top rope. Yeah. I... This uh, does a couple of things. One, it gives Buffalo. Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) This does a couple of things. One, it gives Boston a little bit of extra cap space because they don't have to pay the the bonus incentives that they had put into Patrice Bergeron's contract. Either that or they don't count towards the cap. The problem is they have to go shopping at like a supermarket of free agents that is picked over is all get out they're gonna have to trade and uh with what assets exactly exactly yeah one of our uh friends slash uh co-fantasy uh uh, league players uh he's our our resident boston analyst yeah how about that yeah only because say doesn't talk up very much (laughs) uh speak up very much um like there are a couple of centers who could be on the market and Mark Shifley and Elias Lindholm, uh, Elias Lindholm, I think being the more attractive of those two candidates. Oh, absolutely. They could uh, just pick up like Patrick Kane off the scrap heap too. And uh, just like maybe Vladimir Tarasenko too. just get a like 2006 all-star team. Neither together. of those are centers though. And, so like, uh, they, they desperately need, uh, some help down the middle. Uh, not to discredit Pavel Zaka because I think that was a very shrewd pickup mm-hmm. by, uh, especially like you're like, oh, we gave up Eric Halla and we got Pavel. That, like that's a very smart trade. Um, but if he's your one C, you're probably not a cup contender, let alone a playoff team. Um, nope. Like even if Pasta scores eighty goals next year, like. <laughs> You're still probably not in the playoffs, especially in the Atlantic, which is like chalked full of good teams. Yeah. And like they did a good job replacing his salary, but you just saw Taylor Hall walk out the door. Um, you replaced him with like some parts and pieces, James including Kevin Shattenkirk. Like they saw Chicago tank and said, all right, we're going to we're going to do this. 
Only one year. Next year, they have a shit ton of cap space. Um, anyways, the point of this is Patrice Bergeron is irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. And both from a leadership and a locker room and like glue that holds the thing together he standpoint, was, but also from just like an on ice standpoint. He was a brilliant NHL player. He was the cog which held that whole wheel spinning in together. And well, he gone. Yeah. So, uh, you know. This is definitely a, a happy trails moment because like he's probably a first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. I would like if he's not, I don't know who is. He's still gonna be on like menswear commercials in the Boston area for the foreseeable future. Yeah, at least the next like five or ten years. Um <laughs> fashion icon Patrice Bergeron yeah. was definitely uh an understated opinion. He's no Pasternak in that department, but I, I, think. Oh, I, he, I mean, he, yeah, obviously he's stylistically very different. He's a little bit closer to the like Heinrich Lundqvist school of, you know, haberdashery type menswear as one should be the happy trails, Patrice, the Selkie's yours. I think we're just going to stop awarding it and we'll just, every year. <laughs> yeah. They'll just be like Patrice Bergeron. Nobody saw it coming. And he'll be like walking down with a walker in like 2057. <laughs> and they'll be like, yeah, we're just going to give it to him. The Selkie's just like sad for a couple of years and just like, they don't give it out. No, they're like, oh, we, just, we don't know. Yeah. Like not, it, it doesn't feel it the just same. It doesn't feel right. Yeah. yeah. This wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be honorable some quick hitters here milan lucic as we just talked about went back to boston for uh, he was shipping up to boston mm-hmm. i hate that fucking song in the harvard yard uh, and uh but he's gonna sell a fuck ton of jerseys because it, and the fans are gonna like cry into milan lucic jerseys yeah that's just how it's gonna work exactly uh Ryan O'Reilly signed in Nashville. Uh, oh, what? What? The alt country the, star is going to Nashville? Well, name alt, something that is alt country star is a bit of a stretch. He's the next Taylor Swift. What are you talking about? Uh, how fucking dare you? Imagine when Ryan O'Reilly and Taylor Swift are on stage together. She would never. She would absolutely. No, she's he's, way too busy courting the national. He's so. the husband she always needed. No, she can't be happy. Then her music will dry up. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. But what if it's like a star is born type of scenario? And like Ryan O'Reilly writes this amazing hit and goes on to a storied career. Like, Let's not compare Taylor Swift to Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga can't carry her, <laughs> her shoes. But uh, Ryan and, O'Reilly to Nashville um, started rumors that the deadly locker room cancer was afoot in Toronto because he signed basically an ident- identical deal to what he signed in Toronto to go to what on paper looks like a much worse team. There were a lot of uh, Nashville went for character this offseason, and it's like... Yeah, but what about wins? Like, we like, but character. UC Saros is only so good. <laughs> yeah, right. Roman Yossi has only so much left in the tank. But it, yeah, Ryan O'Reilly going to where he has always been meant to play. Toronto signed, uh, like, it was like they're like, can we be the bad guy? <laughs> can, can we? Like, everybody accuses us of it anyways. So can we be the bad guy? Yeah, it, it, Brad True Living in his uh, new confines in Toronto uh, quickly doubled down on 
alleged locker room cancers <laughs> and signed uh, Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi. Uh, Max Domi, whose dad played in Toronto. Um, so that's the sound you hear of uh, more jerseys selling. Uh, honestly, I think the, the Tyler Bertuzzi signing was a super shrewd move by uh, by both of them, by Brad Drew Living. Uh, the only problem that Toronto has is they're twelve million dollars over the cap right now. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I think those are both shrewd signings. Uh, how Toronto is going to be allowed to play games next year, I don't know because they have a shit ton of cap space to get off uh, to get rid of. And Arizona's like, no, nah, we're not doing that. We're good. <laughs> like, yeah, they're going to have to like make like Ozark's level of laundering cap space. Like s- there's going to be some broken knees and some LTIR coming up in the near future. Someone's going to have a mysterious like flesh munching illness and have to retire. You know, we'll call it the Marian Hosa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mark Giordano is going to like decide to open up a pizza place to compete with he'll call it to compete with giordano's because he's personally offended he'll call it ross colton signed uh four years of four million dollars per with colorado after they traded for him because tampa can't afford him the good old four by four some did you know that owners of a ram 2500 are more than twice as likely to get a DUI than any other vehicle in the United States. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, that's Ross Colton. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, really. He, his offense compares to the Dodge Ram 2500 and that. Yeah. I don't he fucking guaranteed know. to get a DUI. No, <laughs> I, I, the, I think this is a relatively s- solid signing. Uh, Four million is probably a little bit rich for Ross Colton. But if they actually deploy him i mean he's been just scoring goals while he's been playing like 13 minutes a game or whatever minutes a game like he's like borderline fantasy relevant at single digit fantasy i'm drafting him in the second round like that's that's a that's big that's a lot of upside that might i encourage you to do that yeah uh I'll, I'll draft him and Val Nichuskin, but like Val Nichuskin <laughs> might not play. So, yeah. Uh, did you watch the the video that came out around that? No. I haven't yet. Uh, I, I'm kind of again no social media, so I don't. When shit comes out, I I rarely oh, know about so it. So the uh, the police body camera footage from Ooh. yeah it's like 13 minutes long or some shit i, I didn't that's like feel like putting myself that's like 11 that. minutes longer than i need it to be yeah in, and about 11 minutes longer than my attention span is worth these days yeah speaking of no attention span ain't nobody got no attention for no vladimir tarasenk no and no patrick kane uh they are mysteriously and in tarasenko's case and not mysteriously in Kane's case like not getting anything from teams like Kane's hurt he's gonna miss a bunch of time that makes sense he can sign with a team whenever he wants to Tarasenko on the other hand fired his agent he was so upset with the offers he was getting he fired his agents and started over he killed the messenger and still isn't signed like yeah that's that's shown you that your poor performance after you were traded for a lot uh dude you had like 20 goals last year like you ain't getting seven million a year no yeah Uh, that them 
them ship has sailed. Um, and yeah. Uh, and honestly, like in the, the current cap economics of the NHL, like you're better off paying 3 million to a maybe might score 25 goals, 22 year old than Mm -hmm. uh once scored 40 goals 35 year old correct so like those are the economics that we live in and these players who think that they're going to do better than that are proving themselves wrong really who vladimir tarasenko should call is every nfl running back who vladimir tarasenko should call because he needs pr real bad is (laughs) anna galchenyuk (laughs) i mean he hasn't done anything bad she's a crisis pr yeah yeah well no she might be able to be like no look at my boy look at my boy vlad man i don't know all all we've seen of her portfolio right now is 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 mia culpa writing so hey and you know what I, i i'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt that she is capable in many other facets of pr yeah but like Gal can't be that Alex hard. Alex to... keeps getting contracts, and he's not very good. Right, but if you have nothing to do besides fall on your own sword, it can't be that hard to like, you know, turn down the lights, light some candles, drink a half a bottle of whiskey, bust out the laptop, turn on, get in your BMW, turn on, <laughs> <laughs> turn on the arms of the angels, and write a good "I'm sorry." Yeah, and but at the same time, a lot of people fucking fail at it. It, I am forever amazed at that. I think they just need to find more Midwesterners to apologize. Yeah, that's what we do. We are sorry for being sorry. Like, I don't understand how that's not something that has taken over. I am sorry when I leave a party before it's done Mm -hmm. to the point where, like, I'll bring baked goods to your house the next day (laughs) because I am sad for me for leaving your party uh oh you wanted me to watch your dog and i only pet it for five and a half out of the six hours i was there i am so sorry like let me buy you another dog what you need is an irish goodbye consultant there is there is no overlap in the circles that are Irish goodbye and midwestern goodbye <laughs> uh but you need to find somebody who like has an understanding of both uh, speaking of Irish goodbyes, uh, Alex Debrinka is now a Detroit Red Wing. Um, that happened fast. Yeah. He, Almost before I noticed. It it happened uh, so fast that it was really slow and drawn out. Uh, like, it was only slow and drawn out because Ottawa was paying attention to getting sold and shit. And then they were just like, oh, all right, make it happen. And also Steve Eisenman was like, no, I'm not going to give you that. <laughs> yeah. And like he just said he would only go to like five cities and four of them are out of the race. So, um, no. <laughs> yep. Big old nah. The trade was Alex to cat to Detroit, uh, for Dominic Kubelik, who honestly is a, is a really good piece. He'll score 20 goals on your third, on your third line. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice pickup for Ottawa. Good pickup. They got a 2024 fourth and a conditional first, which the condition is basically Detroit decides at the last minute which one of their first rounders they'll give them okay and they got donovan sabrango who is like one of a like legitimate busload of left defenseman prospects that the red wings had and yeah, just not some one of the top five so, extra fruit off of that defensive prospect tree that 
Detroit has in the backyard. Detroit has spent so many draft picks on left defensemen uh, <laughs> that it was super refreshing for them to spend some on a right defenseman this it's year. Like, it's just it's just a pile back there. Yeah, a uh, good trade overall for the Red Wings. Uh, once again, Eisenman proves that he has dirt on everybody. What I think it is is he just like waits for you to be about to be raked over the calls and goes, "Hey, I might be able to help with that." <laughs> and then you're so desperate that you go, ah, I just need something. And he's like, here's Donovan Sabrango. Yeah. Not, this could be worse for you. Uh, Donovan Sabrango's nickname better be something related to Django Unchained. <laughs> uh, if it's not, that's a massive misstep. Sabrango Unchained. Uh, so that's ooh, a good. Yeah. That's a good uh, fantasy. If he ever makes the NHL, that's if, yeah. definitely. A, yeah. All right. Well, that's it for us today. Uh, again, we apologize for the delay. We know you Don't were just stop like, apologizing. Uh, no, I'm from fucking Michigan. This is what we do. Yeah. Fight it. Fight. Uh, fight it. This from the guy who like Breathe. tries to find good in like every human being like a fucking goddamn Midwesterner. Empathy is one hell of a drug. My it's friend. yeah. And and yet uh, we're both sad. Uh, so <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> precisely why. <laughs> Uh, I thank you so much for listening to us and sticking with us. Um, you can find our bullshits all over the internet. Um, and if you interact with us on the internet at this point, it's definitely Evan, but, uh, you can find us at handsomehockey.com, handsome hockey podcast on Instagram, handsome hockey on threads. Yeah, bitch. Oh, are we on threads? We are. Oh, cool. Uh, threads before TikTok. Look at us go. Um, at Handsome Hockey on X. X gonna give it to you. What? Or HandsomeHockeyPod at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page. We have a YouTube page. Uh, this is my reminder. Yeah. To update the YouTube page. And before we sign off, I do want to once again thank DF Pendries for this incredible jersey uh the pride jersey for the ribs from last season it's yeah, they've beautiful been, been selling a lot of amazing beautiful jerseys um both on on x gone give it to you and on uh ebay and just yeah we shout out and thanks for this awesome jersey and the opportunity to buy it um i know some people got some dope ass buttes jerseys <sighs> um it was it, i'm gonna miss had, the buttes yeah it was a a solid send off to this phf fandom that you know got thrown into the volcano in mordor yeah so uh thank you again df you're an amazing human and uh we hope you're doing well uh thank you to all of the listeners out there um just a word of advice if you do get if the cops like somehow show up at whatever you're doing, yeah. maybe don't say you're going to cut their daughter's kidneys out. Um, yeah, that's that's weirdly graphic and very specific. Yeah, yeah. And like uh, kidneys are like kind of like they're important. So like you don't want to like threaten an important like maybe go for the gallbladder or like uh, the pituitary <laughs> gland or. Something I, that I think that's also pretty important. Is it? Yeah. What's the fu- what's threaten, the ones that we don't someone, need? Th- threaten an appendix. Oh, uh, the appendix. Like, yeah, that's I'm right. Gonna, I'm going to threaten you with very complicated surgery. I'm going to threaten you by taking out the thing that doesn't do anything and is only there to kill you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, be be much more germane. In, yeah. In your threats. I'm very kind. I do surgery in my backyard. Like, how do you know my appendix is is going south? Yeah. Uh, like, I I gotta. 
truffle pig that also smells bad appendixes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough. <laughs> Have a great. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, stay handsome, everybody. Restez beau to le monde.